pressure is overwhelming. And so, yeah, you can have some crazy thoughts fly through your mind and you've got to have the discipline and practice of putting those negative thoughts out and, and replacing them with, with positive ones. You know, fear and faith can't coexist in your mind at the same time. And so it's really a, a, a constant habit of getting the faith-filled, hope-filled, positive thoughts in your mind and, and purpose to think about those things. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast, where your hosts Kelly Palace and Maria Parker share with you what it takes to be a champion. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds Masters World and National Swimming Records, and Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and was the overall women's winner of the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. They'll be sharing their personal stories and wisdom, along with interviewing other champions to give you the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo Podcast, where I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hey, Kelly. It's good to hear your voice. You too. Well, Maria, today's show is going to be just what we need to motivate us as this coronavirus continues to keep us in our homes and unfortunately out of the pool for most of us. We are going to be talking with five-time Olympic medalist Josh Davis. Josh won three golds in the 1996 Olympics and came back four years later to win two silvers in the 2000 Olympics. He was a nine-time U.S. national champion in the 200-meter free every year from 1996 to 2002. He also won titles in the 400 free and the 200 back. He remains very competitive in his age group for Masters, winning the 50 free and the 100 free and finishing as runner-up in four events in the 45 to 49 age group in the 2019 Spring Masters Nationals. Josh is very active in the swimming community outside of the pool as well. And Maria, can you tell us about that? Sure, Kelly. Josh is the current and first head coach of Oklahoma Christian University's swim team and is one of the most prolific ambassadors and teachers of swimming skills through his more than 1,000 breakout swim clinics. Josh continues to inspire and motivate swimmers during the corona pandemic with his Facebook Motivational Monday interviews. Wow, that, that is great, Maria. So let's not delay anymore, and let's welcome Josh to the show. Welcome, Josh. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Kelly. It is a pleasure to be with you and to talk with you guys. And I so appreciate what you have done for the swimming community uh, these past months. So it's a pleasure to get to talk to y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. You're working hard to motivate people too, Josh. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I've been swimming for 30 something years now. I guess I'm 47. I started when I was 12. What is that? 32. So it's just been part of my life and my whole my whole existence for a long, long time. And so very grateful now to, to be a college coach, to be a master swimmer, to teach age group kids through uh, the breakout swim clinics with my Olympic friends. And uh, obviously was was honored to represent the, my USA for 10 years. So now I just love giving back. I love helping young people reach their potential, whether it's through the clinics or helping them reach their potential through our college team or helping them pick the college that's right for them. And then, um, obviously, I love getting to meet other fellow master swimmers at the master's meet. And, and I have six 
kids of my own. And you might hear one of them in the background because I have five teenagers and a surprise three-year-old. She turns four next week. So <laughs> wow. her name is Sophia. Surprise Sophia is her name. So <laughs> we, uh, we have... So anyway, I, uh, I love water and I love my, my friends in the swimming community. Yeah, so I'm, you, I'm happy to encourage them. How are you doing with no swimming? Well, I, I, I feel terrible about this. I actually have the keys to my college pool. Oh, and tell us about I, it. I get to go in to swim and I bring, my wife likes to swim, you know, and so she comes with me. My son, Luke, is a freshman at Missouri. So he's got Olympic trials in the tuner fly. So he's trying to stay in shape because obviously his he's going to race in Olympic trials in June of 2021 now. And then, you know, go into his sophomore year at Missouri next year. So he likes to come swim. And so we, we do a little, we do our 45 minute swim about every other day. Um, wow. we, we, we try and go every day, but it's just, it's just crazy with our nine, nine people in our home here. We're in day 35 of the Corona break starting week six. I can't believe it. It's just, you know, it's just been the twilight zone now for a while. So I, I honestly feel guilty going to the pool because I'm one of the few humans that gets to do it. <laughs> so, mm. But I right. figure if I, if I have the pool, I should use it. And uh, I, I honestly, I, I, every morning I wake up and I feel like I got hit by a truck. And I just, I don't know, you just, people over 40 know what I'm talking about. But when I get in and I swim, I feel like it's a rebirth. And when I'm done with my 3050s, which is the set I've been doing every day for about five years now, uh, 3050s on various intervals, I feel like I've been reborn. And so I am grateful that I have a pool. I'm grateful that I still get to swim. And I just can't wait for the rest of the pools to open back up so all my swimming friends in the world can get back to normal and have that same feeling because it really is important and it really, really does help. It does. So I have two things that immediately leap to mind that I want to uh, ask you about. N number one, um, I, first is, I think it's, I don't think you should feel guilty. You are taking advantage of, you're at a small private college, right? So you don't have to deal with big state laws or any of that. Cause I know a lot of these, you know, the big state schools, like I said, I went to NC state and, you know, I've talked to our coaching staff there and they're just completely shut down You know, everybody's gone home. So I, I, um, I hear you on that, but my, my question for you is, do you feel in your situation, you're, you're the rare, do you feel that you're the rare case or do you feel that most swimmers around the world are not swimming? Well, I've asked a lot of my Olympic friends, you know, that's one of the, the number one asked questions. So have you heard of anybody who's been able to swim? And if, uh, you know, Cody Miller and a couple of his pro, pro friends uh, found a, a, a backyard pool or not a backyard pool, an indoor pool that uh, a wealthy family had. And so they were able to use that pool. And then Team Elite in San Diego, Dave, a couple of Dave Marsh's pro swimmers have found a backyard pool. I know some of the... Uh, some of the San Francisco guys, some of the pro guys have found, you know, a similar setup and people obviously that live near a beach, you know, they've been swimming in the beach and kind of sneaking their beach swims. So I know those backyard pools are there. Those 20, 25 yard pools, two lane, three lane things are out there. And so I got to believe that a lot of the 150 Olympic hopefuls 
so say there's 150 Olympic hopefuls, like people that are probably realistically have a shot at, at the, at the making the Olympic team. I got to believe they're finding some water time somewhere. And it doesn't seem that difficult that 150 people in, in our country could do that. I really believe that the top 1500 Olympic trial qualifiers should find a pool and have access like legal access to a pool. To me, that doesn't bother me. If I had to sit out of a pool, but to let the Olympic trial qualifiers still train, I'm totally comfortable with that because they've done something pretty special to make Olympic trials. But with the new time set, with the new time frame that we can technically take this month off and still get back into shape for 2021, it's not as urgent. But the fact remains, I, I agree with you. If you can get a pool, you should swim in it. Yeah. Well, I, I live in a little uh, a community, a little gated community, and our pool is I think it's 16 yards. So I finally broke my whatever it's been 35 days of no swimming. And I just said, you know what we have, we have our cases are flat here. Nobody's at the pool and our pool is open. I just wasn't going down there because I didn't want to expose myself or anybody else. Cause if I had, if I'm asymptomatic, I don't want to give anybody else something and vice versa. And so I swam today, this morning for the first time, and I got to agree with you. It's just, it's even though I'm doing, you know, 50s in a 16-yard pool, it, it is it is like a rebirth. It really is. So, yeah. Have you, Josh, have you been able to, you're, you're sort of uh, relentlessly upbeat and optimistic in all of the things I've ever seen you do historically. Do you have any trouble keeping that, that real, that positivity that you're sharing with anybody? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have my, I have my spells. My family knows that I'm not, I'm not perfect. My wife, Lord knows, and yeah, I do get frustrated. You know, I, I I've decided not to watch the news the last several days, and I'm much mm-hmm. happier. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so, I want to be knowledgeable. I want to be smart. I want to be a uh, a smart, um, compassionate citizen, and be able to make good decisions. But I'm, but honestly, I I just feel like it's just not right to shut down so much when I think most of us are relatively healthy or could fight it off. And, you know, I don't know what the thing is. Maybe people over 60 need to kind of shelter in more and let everybody under 60 get back to, to work as best they can and, and just, just go for it. Um, Cause I'm just wondering if the cure could be worse than the disease. Mm. It, the more we, the more we shut, shut in. So you you experience frustration just like everybody else. Yes, yes, I do have my little swells of frustration. Like this is crazy. What are we doing? This is a hoax. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like <laughs> so mm-hmm. I have my right. and then I come back. I'm like then I come back to normal gratitude. I'm like I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful yeah. for my family. I'm thankful that I you know that that this you know I, you know it's not throwing my life off that much. I just my heart goes out to everybody else. I get frustrated for everybody else that you know is struggling. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good to know that somebody as upbeat as you can get, you know, can get a little, <laughs> little peaks and valleys. And, and so yeah. I wanted to hit on the, the second prong of what you said is your ultra short race pace training, which is the 30 fifties that you, you said is your kind of standard workout on different intervals. And for those non-swimmers, the best way, and I, I'm a fellow USRPT, ultra short race pace training. I am a fellow user of that and have been for many years. And we've, we've, uh, I've, I've broken bread with the Andrews family and, you know, I'm a real follower of USRPT and have used it for my own master's training. So I explain it to 
my non-swimming friends as kind of high intensity interval training. So for yes. those listeners that we have that are not swimmers, if they can think of that, but can you kind of explain a little bit of why you think this is so beneficial and what some of those intervals are and how it feels and how that it's different than other training. And I'd also like to hear how it benefited you personally, because I heard something, I saw a video about that, and I want, I'd love for you to tell that story. Yeah, so great question. So in the 90s, I was progressing with the USA team, um, early 2000s. I was the main guy coming off two Olympics, um, still trying to train as hard as I could. In 2004, I missed the Olympics. I was now 32 years old, and my body wasn't recovering as well as I'd hoped, and I missed the team. And uh, it was a little frustrating. And then, then I started teaching full-time around the country uh, 2000, for the next four years till 2008. I made Olympic trials just for fun, but I wasn't really <laughs> training. I was just, you know, just giving clinics to kids. And then in 2012, I had been traveling another four years on the road and was really struggling with enjoying the sport because I had this mindset that if, if I'm not swimming two hours traditional, then it's not really worthwhile. And I struggled with that, you know, because here I am, I have five kids, two jobs, I'm traveling all the time, but I love swimming. I want to be in shape. I want to race fast. I still, I'm not that old. I want to go fast, but I, I don't have time to swim two hours straight. I don't have time to lift for an hour, another hour. I don't have time to train three or five, three to five hours a day anymore, but I want to feel fast. And I want to, I want to be a, I want the life of a swimmer. And then finally, in 2014, I started reading about Michael Andrew breaking all these records, this 14-year-old kid breaking all these records. And I thought, this is crazy. So my wife asked me on my birthday, September 1st, 2014, what do you want for your birthday? I says, I want to go drive five hours up to Michael Andrew's house, and I want to spend the weekend with him and talk to him and get to know this kid who's just broken 70 national age group records. So my wife was like, whatever you want, go for it. So I drove up from Oklahoma City to, to their, little, their little ranch, their little farmhouse in outside Lawrence, Kansas, where they have 10 acres, the house and a pool house where they built a two lane, 25 meter pool where Michael trains, his dad trains him, his mom's the manager. And all they do is 25s. And I thought, this is insane. So I go and train with them and I couldn't do his workout. He did these 25s so fast with 20 seconds rest. And I couldn't keep up with him. I couldn't do half his workout. I was exhausted. I was, I mean, it was just incredibly painful. And I thought, okay, there's something here. This kid's going only going race pace, a very strict rest interval, very perfect technique. I mean, everything is just really outlined very carefully to only train his muscles in his mind, to only do what he wants to do in a championship moment. There's no slow swimming. There's no ugly swimming. There's just only what he's only training his body and mind for championship moments. And I thought, this is really interesting. I'm going to try this. And so before I got all excited and start telling everybody about it, I'd worked it on myself. And so I would take the kids to school in the morning and I had 20 minutes, literally 20 minutes between school drop off. So I'd jump in the Gold's Gym pool, just an old three lane, 25 yard pool. It's too hot. And I had, I, I didn't even have a clock. I had my stopwatch and I did 20, 25s as fast as I could. And it, it took me about 15 minutes and it was really hard. I was going really fast. And then later that night, I would do 20 minutes more, about 20, 20 to 30, 50, 25 as fast as I could. So I was, I was doing doubles quite a bit. Some days it was only singles. So I go to Masters Nationals and <laughs> I crush the records. 
I went 20.6 and 45 one. Wow. Now, for those of you guys who know times. That's fast. Yeah, That's to go 45 one off 20 minutes a day is insane at yeah. my age, at the, in 42 or 43, whatever it was. And uh, I just laughed. I felt like I had robbed a bank. <laughs> I was like, you're not supposed to go this fast off so little. Mm -hmm. yeah. But don't be fooled. That 20 minutes was incredibly painful. And I was only doing race, race pace that would allow me to go 45 seconds, you know, at the race. So anyway, I was training my body. My 200 was terrible, though. Cause I just didn't have the endurance. I was only doing 25. So then I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to double it. I'm going to go from 2025s to 2050s, <laughs> which is still nothing, you know, you know, so 2050s is still nothing, but it actually worked. The next year I went to master's nationals in 2015 in San Antonio, my hometown, and just had the, one of the best meets of my life. And I broke the 50, 100, 200, and 500 record. What were wow. your two and five times? Uh, 138.2 is in the wow. 200 and 433 oh in the my 500. Gosh. Those are just insane. And they're really good times. And I'll never forget the before the 500 cracked me up because I, I'm up stepping behind the blocks of the 500. And the thought goes through my mind. I've only done... 50s and 25s for the last two years. <laughs> I haven't gotten more than a 50 in two years, and I'm about to do a 500 for the first time. Do you have any trouble pacing yourself? No. Well, see that basically on the 50s, I forgot to tell you, on the 50s, I would go 25 uh, seconds uh, or 24.9 or 25.1 or 25.2. I was basically, I could push 20 to 30 50s on the minute averaging 25 zero oh, okay. on, on good days. I was 24, nine bad days. I was 25, two. So for those of you who know yards times pushing a 25, two is actually really good. Pushing a 24, nine is really, really good. And so it gives you a speed pump to go to push a 24 is really good. And it gives you a speed pump, like a, like a lift weight, like a lifting pump in your muscles, but you do it 30 times. It gives you the endurance pump. Mm -hmm. So you actually can work your speed and your endurance you can work both energy systems within 30 minutes. And wow. so I was getting a very productive 30 minute workout. And so behind the blocks, I thought, all I know is 25s. You know, I may not know a 500, but my body knows how to do 25 second 50s. And all I got to do is try and string 10 of them in a row. And so I dove in, I have a very good start, very good streamline. And my bot, I just let my body go. I had a very skinny, light kick you know, just cause I was, I didn't want to kill my legs. I had very crisp turns and I just got in this groove and you know, it's three, five, seven, my counters, you know, putting the numbers in and I'm not getting tired. Nine, 11, 13. I'm not dying. This is one of the first 500s in my life. I'm not dying. I'm actually really enjoying it. And then 15, 17, and the guy puts in 19, my counter and I'm on my last lap. I feel amazing. I throw my kick into I, I have like a fifth gear on my legs my legs were totally fresh I just kick like crazy I push a 25 on my last 50 the record was 438 by the great Alex Kostich for those of you guys if Alex Kostich was the great Stanford USA swimmer just has all the master's records and distance incredible distance swimmer and he trains his brains out his record was 438 well I look up and I see 433 
Oh I my broke gosh. It. I broke his record by five and a half seconds. That's amazing. That must have been a nice, a nice moment for you. <laughs> oh yeah, so I, I raised my fist like I was in the Olympics, and uh, you know, and thankfully the San the San Antonio Stadium for those of you who've been there it holds two thousand people, three thousand people. It's a beautiful, huge stadium. It's one of the biggest swim stadiums in the country, and everybody's clapping. And I was like, "This is too fun." <laughs> That's well, great. yeah. The, I mean, the logic of it is so. For me, it's so clear why you were able to do that and do it without, you know, dying or being in pain. It's so when you're doing those twenty fifties or thirty fifties on a minute, and you're holding twenty five to, you know, twenty five two to twenty four nine, you're going. You're you're like you said. You're it's a total short pump, and then yeah. you don't recover. I mean, because I do. The same for a mile in master swimming where, you know, I'm holding, I'm trying to hold 30 flat for a mile in in those fifties and I go on a minute. So, but when that minute comes around for you or for me or for anybody even training, you know, thinking of doing this at home, (laughs) um, you don't recover. So when you stood behind the block waiting to swim for approximately five minutes, you had already swum all out for 30 minutes, you know, like, so yeah. it, it's, it's so like, I, I think, I hope people grasp that, that you, you've already, your endurance is actually 30 minutes long and yet your, your speed is there. So I, I wish people would embrace this more because, do, so this is a follow-up question to you. Do you get a lot of pushback for this and like the, like the anti USRP tiers? Yeah, so I was in the thick of it in 2014, 2015, because I had been asked to be the interim head coach of a club team. So this is where it got real interesting, because here I am having a blast in this renaissance of my swimming career. Well, I've fallen in love with swimming more than ever. I'm going faster than than I thought possible for my age group. And I'm doing it all in 30 to 45 minutes. And I can go have a life and I'm not exhausted the rest of the day. And I'm just loving it. I fall. I'm so thankful. Michael Andrew and his family and their their stuff opened me up to a whole new world and made me fall in love with swimming more than ever. And I was just so excited to share this. And but when I got asked to coach this club team of 100 kids, they would have freaked out if I gave them 25s and 50s, you know, exactly like I do it. Um, and and so I did. I came up with like what I call the healthy hybrid. The healthy hybrid is where you take the best of the traditional stuff. You know, sometimes you got to do just long stuff. Sometimes you do the kick stuff. Sometimes you do the equipment stuff. Sometimes you, you know, you just do all the drill stuff and all the fun stuff that you can think of that kids like to do, you know, to get their skills up and to keep, keep them engaged in the practice. But then you also do the other, the race pace stuff. And so you put the two together the traditional stuff with the race pace stuff, and you get what I call the healthy hybrid. And so on both ends of the spectrum, you, you got to be careful because you've got old school where you go 10,000 yards, no technique, no cheering, no time for you know any encouragement or technique work. You just got to grind, grind, grind. And then you got the other end of the extreme, you, you know, where, where it works for Michael Andrew, but it may not work for everybody. And I think there's huge science behind it and it worked for me, but we have to be very careful because uh, the distance people, they just, you know, a lot of distance people, they just need a, that confidence that they've put in some yardage. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I think they can 
you know, you've obviously found the right kind of uh, yardage for USRPT for distance events. So I think it's totally possible to find that. But sometimes young kids, you know, middle-aged, middle school kids, high school kids, they got to feel like they've done a little more. And anyway, so the point is I'm helping with this club team and I came up with this healthy hybrid. Sure enough, we had like 80, 90% best times. Kids were loving it. Parents were happy. And um, so I, I got to spend two years riding these kind of undercover race pace workouts. They were, they, they didn't look like race pace, but they were race pace, if that makes sense. Yeah. Disguised. They were disguised. Exactly. <laughs> and the kids loved it and they went fast. And then I basically told the club team, it's like, Hey, I, I have this opportunity to start a college group and I, I travel a lot so I can travel with my, in the spring and summers with my college team, but I can't travel with being a real club coach. So I, I told the club team, I said, you need to get a real guy. His name's Chris from Virginia. He's one of my favorites. He knows USRPT. He knows everything. He studies everything. He's super with kids, just unbelievable coach. And so sure enough, Chris and his six kids moved to Edmond, Oklahoma to coach uh, our team. And, and so I kind of handed my son and the team off to Chris and Chris for four years, built this team up into an incredible team. And my son got Olympic trials last summer. And it was just like the perfect storybook kind of thing where I got to coach my son that first year. And then Chris took over and we, we all, the three of us were at Olympic trial, uh, the, the meet last year at, at nationals in Stanford and watched my son make the Olympic trials at the Stanford pool at, uh, wow. at, at long course juniors. It was just so fun anyway. And so now I'm the college coach. And so same thing, I got to do this healthy hybrid for th the last three years for my college team. And then my, my assistant coach, Noah, he's a genius. He just got done at Seton hall. He's a 200, 500 guy. This is my, one of my favorite stories. He did all the traditional long stuff for Seton hall and he did great for Seton hall. I mean, he was champ 200 free, 500 free. Just he's, he's real tough. Does all the long distance stuff. Well, he started doing race pace training with me because we would coach in the morning, 5.30 to 8.30. And then he and I would do our laps from 8.30 to 9.30, just an hour. And so we would swim an hour every day with our new race pace kind of regimen. This summer, after a year of training race pace, he did lifetime best times, long wow. course. Wow. Long wow. course, he did lifetime best times. And he couldn't believe it. And so it, it's been really fun to, you know, kind of experiment. And I, I feel very blessed that I got to experiment with a club team for about two years. I'm now experimenting with this college team for about three years and I experiment on myself now for five years. And I just love it. I just love it. And, you know, I just, I think you got to swim, right. You got to swim pretty. And the reason we signed up for the sport is to swim fast. So yes. I like to train, train fast to race fast. You're, you're, you, you express the love of swimming really well. And you talk about, loving swimming and this is what's recreated it for you the usrpt it's recreated that love of swimming absolutely absolutely i mean as much as i'd like to do the the uh, traditional 200 ims and 400 pulls and you know a thousand kick for time i just i feel awful when i do it and it doesn't really translate to me getting much faster at masters nationals right obviously so so you're sold and you're going to be doing this for going forward. Yeah, this is, this is my thing. I, I only have about 45 minutes a day to train. And so if you, if you, if you're really crunched for time, this is probably the most productive thing you could do. Because like I said earlier, you can work a sprint system and an endurance system all at the same time within 30 to 40 minutes. 
and I can focus on my technique. I can focus on the proper turns, the proper dynamics, the proper turnover, the proper body position at a race pace dynamic. And so I, I just love it. Josh, if you were going to translate this maybe for some people listening that are cyclists or runners, do you think this is translatable and how would you do that? Well, cycling and running and track has got this way before we did. You know, I, in my, my, my little limited knowledge of cycling is, you know, I, I'm thinking of the velodrome folks and, and um, don't know as much about endurance cycling, but, um, but I know there's, there's interval training there and there's speed play there. You know, obviously you want to practice race pace dynamics within cycling to better yourself. Um, same thing in track, you know, the people I used to, I used to lift weights with the tracksters at university of Texas, the Olympians, because there's several Olympians trained at university of Texas when I was there and they actually didn't do that much running, you know, whatever running, whatever little running they did was at almost 90 to hundred percent. You know, there wasn't a lot of slow jogging. There was a lot of stretching, a lot of dynamic warm up, a lot of lifting weights, but the running they did was usually only kind of race pace dynamics. And so, so track and field is kind of known about this for a while. And I wonder if short track cycling is known about this for a while. So, so we're kind of swimming's kind of finally catching up right, to, to really right. master the interval training. It'll be interesting to see what happens as more swimmers adopt this over the coming years. Yeah, that makes total we, we've sense. We've seen the incredible depth that you see across high school and college and global swimming right now isn't because people are training longer and, and doing more yardage. So the incredible depth and the crazy times we're seeing at Division One, Division Two, even Division Three, NC2As, um, and, and, and high school swimming, and then just the global swimming, it's not because we're going more yardage. It's because coaches and swimmers are getting smarter and training smarter. Absolutely. It's very exciting. Very exciting. So changing gears just a little bit, Josh, we, we love, we, we've definitely talked a lot of X's and O's of swimming this morning, right. which um, we don't usually do, which we don't usually do, but, but it's, uh, it, it's all great stuff. And I, I you're, preach, you're preaching to the choir on USRPT, but on <laughs> your life, you know, you're, you're this super successful Olympian coach and father, et cetera. And business so, owner, business owner, we love to know what your biggest obstacle in life, in your life has been and how you overcame that. Wow. What a great question. Gosh, if you can believe it, <laughs> I, I struggle. I think I struggle like everybody else with self-doubt and, you know, can I really do this? Uh, you know, and here I am, I've, I've been to the Olympics and won gold medals you know, get to be on TV regularly and speak around the country as Mr. Motivation, you know, and I, and I, I'm like everybody else. I still, I still get some worries. I still get some doubts. I still get, you know, little, little things. I've been very blessed to have great people around me. Um, my wife, Chantel has, has been very supportive. My, my dad, my mom passed away in 2012 from cancer. So I missed her terribly, but my, my dad, my brothers, my sister have been very supportive, and I have a lot of motivation to, to provide for, for our six kids, and, you know, that really helps me a lot, um, and, and I do have a genuine love for the, 
swimmers I get to work with at, at clinics and the college kids I get to coach. And so there's just a lot of, I'm surrounded with a lot of people that I get excited to serve. And I feel like the, the, the biggest obstacle is, you know, to be honest, I think just managing my schedule. And so when I, we can't get back time, time slips through our fingers. Like these last 35 days, I'm like, what just happened? I didn't accomplish near as much as I should have. Because <laughs> as we're recording this, we're in day 35 of the Corona break, and I feel like time's slipping away. But what I do know is I can always get energy. If I eat right, sleep right, and do my swim, I'm going to have more energy to tackle the next day or tackle the next section of the day. And so that's been my biggest obstacle. Like I need to go to bed on time. I need to eat right. I need to do my daily swim so that I have the energy to attack the next day. So that's been kind of when I can, when I can line out my day and, and manage that day, then I can, then I can feel like I, I'm doing pretty good. And so some people say, you know, when you, when you have a good morning, that sets up the day. And when you have a good day, you know, you, you, you set up the week and when you have a good week that sets you up for a good month and you have you string together a few good months, you, you, you put together a good year. So I try and just take little bites and just start the morning right with my swim and my oatmeal and read my Bible. And then I think everything else kind of falls into place. That, that sort of leads to one of our questions that we typically ask. I think you've, you've just answered it, but if, if you'd like to fill it out is, you know, what are your routines and rituals that have helped make you successful? Yeah, life, life so much of life is just showing up. And I, I don't feel that strong. I don't feel that fast each day, but I just don't miss a day. Um, and so it's, it's, it's so true with coaching. You know, I'm not, I'm not the genius coach I want to be, but I just keep showing up and I just keep hovering over their lanes and fixing their technique and reminding them for the millionth time, you need to get your streamline tighter. You need to fix your hands. You know, <laughs> you just have to keep doing it. You just have to keep reminding these kids to get better. You have to keep showing up for your swim and showing up, you know, and just picking the right foods, picking the, you know, the right bedtime, you know, you just have to keep doing these things. So, yeah, like I mentioned, I, I, I got a coach from 5.30 to 7, and then we do our second group, 7 to 8.30. I make sure I get enough fuel and eat eat right so I can coach those three hours. Then I do my swim, and then I got to keep trying to eat as best I can because um, my, my metabolism is very high because I'm, I'm always going. I only operate on about five or six hours sleep, and I'm going all day. So I, I do try and I, I actually have that terrible problem. I, I don't – I need to eat more. Um, and then uh, coach again from two to six at night and then try and spend time with the family, you know, from seven to 10, seven to 11 at night. So yeah, I just, it just, yeah, the train never stops. So, you know, when you're running the, the tour of Olympians and the, the college team and, and the, and the you know, wife and six kids. So it's, it's always something, which I like, I'm kind of extroverted and a little ADD. I like to, to kind of have stuff to do. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of energy, and you know some people when they dis describe a schedule like that would set. I mean, that would be exhausting. <laughs> but it sounds like you just sort of, you know, love it. Is that right? 
Yeah, I do. I do. You know, my wife's kind of an introvert and um, she, and I'm an extrovert. So she needs about five hours of downtime, maybe five days of downtime from the human race. Uh, <laughs> I need, I need, I need about, I need about five minutes of downtime from, <laughs> from the human race and I'm ready because, because people and things being with people and doing things with people give me energy. They don't, they don't take energy from me. They give me energy. Yeah. And, but at the same time, I'll, I'll give a little insight. I'm not, I'm not a super deep guy. Like it takes a while to get to know me. I mean, what you see is kind of surfacey stuff. I mean, it's me, but, but it takes a long time to get to know the deep part of part of me. My wife though, once you spend about five or 10 minutes with her, you go deep and we, and they, and they start, you start talking about deep stuff. And, and that's when I'm like, well, it's, I'm out. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> like to go that deep. And so I love that about my wife, that she's able to really go deep with people and really help people and really connect with people. And that, I'm trying to get better at that. You know, as a coach, you, you need to be able to do that. You need to be able to connect with people and, you know, help counsel people. I didn't know when you became a swim coach that you'd have to be a full-time counselor too. But it's true. People really like to talk things out figure out their life, whether it's high schooler or a college kid. And um, so that's a skill I'm trying to get better at is, yeah, I'm busy a lot and I love people a lot, but I need to, I need to know how to go more in depth and, and counsel and help even more like my wife does. So, so that's kind of a fun, funny little insight. Yeah. That's a really authentic thing to say. I like it. You're obviously coaches do counsel a lot with, with these kids and, your own statement that you've struggled with a little bit of your own self-doubt. What uh, those just tie in for me in mindset. So what what has your mindset been to be successful, win those Olympic medals, and also the mindset you would like you know to see in your swimmers? I have this phrase that I try and remind myself of to swim free. Um, swim free from pressure, swim free from expectation to swim free. And, you know, people I think would always look at me funny back when I was still racing in my late thirties, like I wasn't training, but I still wanted to go to nationals. I still wanted to go to Olympic trials just cause I could. And everybody's like, I think some people probably looked at me like you didn't retire very well, Josh, you know, like, <laughs> you know, why, why don't you hang it up and be normal? And I'm like, cause I love it. I love being around everybody. I love racing. I know I'm not training right. I know I'm, you know, I know I didn't prepare as best I could for this meet, but, but I was swimming free. I didn't, I didn't, for the most part, I didn't care what my place or time was. I just wanted to go race. And so that's my goal for, you know, for me is that I would live free, free from worry, free from doubt, free from expectation. And you know, that I know God loves me no matter what, my family's going to love me no matter what, and I can just be free to go all out and do my very best and not worry about the results. Mm. You know, do your best, trust God with the rest. And, and that's what I want for my swimmers. I want you guys to swim free. I want you to not be worried, to not be shackled with expect, you know, unnecessary or unrealistic expectations. You know, you just go be you. The world doesn't want you to be like anybody else. We just want you to be you and you freed up to race like you were meant to race. And so I experienced those 
swims at the Olympics. I, it's what I call a Holy Spirit swim, where I just had this freedom that I knew God was with me and God loved me no matter what. And I just went for it. And it was, it was wonderful. And so I try and bring that into other areas of my life. I try and share that with, with the swimmers I get to work with. That's really beautiful. The word free is a beautiful, beautiful word. I love that description of your, of what you try to encourage swimmers to do. I, I'm, I'm very moved by that. That is absolutely very, very moving. So that was your mindset, even back when you were winning Olympic golds all the way till now. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 it helped me very much in the Olympics to, to really practice that mindset. And just as I would, you know, needed discipline in my strokes physically, I needed discipline in my mind mentally and spiritually to be able to prepare for those Olympic moments because the pressure is incredible. Um, you know, you got 3 billion people watching you live by TV and you're in your tiny little bathing suit. I mean, it's just everybody in the country wants you to win a gold medal. You know, the pressure's overwhelming. And so, yeah, you can have some crazy thoughts fly through your mind and you've got to have the discipline and practice of putting those negative thoughts out and, and replacing them with, with positive ones, you know, fear and faith can't coexist in your mind at the same time. And so it's really a, a, a constant habit of getting the faith-filled, hope-filled, positive thoughts in your mind and, and purpose to think about those things. And uh, do you act it? Would, would you actively turn away the stressful or fearful thoughts? Was that a, a, when you talk about discipline, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have conversations with myself and with God in my head all the time. And, um, and, and I, and I got better at it. You know, I got better at it and it becomes a discipline. You know, when I was swimming, I could think about my technique, think about my race, think about what I was working with, with God at the time. And you just get better at, at doing both of them at the same time. So I'm, I'm grateful that I, that I had my Olympic chaplain helping me with that. And, um, you know, my coaches helping me with that. So it, it really did help me swim free. It really did. That is, I, I love that fear and faith can't exist at the same time. What commonalities do you think champions share? Ooh, that's a great question. I have several ways to answer this. Um, my coach, Eddie, my Olympic coach, Eddie Reese and college coach, he says there's three things that make a great, a great success or champion. One is genetics. So say out of one out of a 10, I'm probably a seven in genetics. I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm six, two. And I got kind of big hands and big feet. I'm not that flexible. I can't jump a lick, but, but I, but I got decent genetics. I'm kind of got long arms. Number two is work ethic. This encapsulates a lot. Um, how much you study your technique, how much you work and practice, you know, the, you know, the years and years and years and years uh, accumulating to a great work ethic to where you're very fit and very tough. And then the third thing is what Eddie calls the X factor. The X factor is that not so much that you like to win, it's that you hate to lose. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I've seen some of the people that emerge as gold medalists. You can just tell if you've seen them in practice or you see them consistently over the years, they hate to lose and it drives them nuts till it doesn't happen anymore. And those are kind of some things that emerge you know, in genetics, getting back to number one genetics, you know, I, I think of my teammate, Gary Hall Sr. I mean, this guy was 6'6", just beautifully, beautifully 
angled body, you know, just beautiful hands and feet and ankle flexibility and body line. And, and he could just cut through the water. If you find old Gary Hall videos, Gary Hall Jr., it's just beautiful to watch. And, and then, of course, we, we saw it in Michael Phelps, this, this crazy cool genetics. And now we kind of see it in Caleb Dressel. You know, it's, it's almost like Eddie would say the sport, you don't pick the sport, the sport picks you, hmm. you know, yeah. where you just kind of have this proclivity to moving through the water because of your genetics. It's fun to watch. And then, yeah, I'm big on number two, the work ethic. I'm, I'm, I'm like a nine or a 10 in work ethic. I just outworked all the people who were bigger than me or more talented than me, or, you know, they, or I just outlasted them. <laughs> I waited until everybody retired and I just kept training. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So as number three, we, we've had a kind of continuing discussion about that, the, the competitiveness, the X factor. Is that something that can be developed or is that genetic as well? I, I think it can be developed. I think it can be fostered, but I think it, it creates a, a very unique formula of coaches and parents and athlete working together in that triad, which is, which is, very, has, is a very fine balance the coaches and the parents and, and the environment of the athletes and their teammates working together to foster that. Mm -hmm. And I, I fell into a perfect storm where I had some great friends that were on my swim team that pushed me. And I didn't miss, I didn't feel like I was missing anything because all my friends were at practice twice a day. And we just, we all showed up on time. We all raced every heart every day. We all pushed each other and had a blast with each other laughing all the time. It was just normal to laugh and go all out. So it was a, you know, so my training environment was perfect. My coach was very smart and had great creative workouts. My parents were, had this, all this unconditional love and never pressured me in the wrong way. It was just beautiful, beautiful environment of unconditional love. And it was, it was like this perfect formula. And so I always, we hope that for all of our kids, that they can find that, that, that triad um, to help them develop that X factor and bring the stuff out in them that they did not know they had. Nice. Very oh, nice. Last question. We, we've, you've been so generous with your time and, and your ideas. It's been really terrific. But the last question we always want to ask is, is there something that we haven't asked or covered that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, that last thought made me think of um, something that I, that I see and very important for young people and for all of us, really. You know, I talk about that coach, parent, athlete triad. You see, an athlete puts pressure on themselves like a good athlete does because they want to be better. And so it's not uncommon for an athlete to kind of be hard on themselves and, you know, be frustrated after a race or to, you know, just to kind of keep coming back for more. And then the coach, a good coach puts pressure on that athlete. You know, John Wooden, the greatest coach of all time, said a great coach makes you do the things you don't want to do to become the athlete you always wanted to be. And so rightly so, a good coach knows how to do that tough love and press and make you do some uncomfortable things and challenge you. And, you know, there's a level of pressure and expectation there from the coach. Well, the parent, the parent part of that, of the three parts, it needs to be a place of refuge, a place where there's just unconditional love and support and nourishment. It almost needs to be the safety valve. And I get concerned when, when all three parts are pushing on the athlete, the athlete's pushing on themselves, the coach is pushing on them, the parent's pushing on them in, in, in an unhealthy way. And you put all three, I think the athlete can reach burnout. And so I think it's important that everybody kind of analyzes 
where the pressure is on. And, and I don't get me wrong. There's parents that, that have to do the tough love. They have to encourage in the right way and they have to discipline and my parents. They would say, if you're going to do this season, if you're going to do this sport, you're going to finish the season. We've signed you up for the season. We've paid the dues. You're going to, if you're not liking it, you got to finish the season and then you can switch. And so that always kind of helped me get a sense of responsibility, a sense of discipline. But then I knew I had the freedom to switch when the season was over. And so there was kind of this, you know, I still had that unconditional love and a safety valve from my parents. And so I'm very grateful for my parents for doing that, for being a, a safe place where I could come refuel and a place to refuge. So then I could go back into the fight ready, you know, in that pressure cooker that elite athletics is. And then, of course, I think I'm most grateful that I got the unconditional uh, love from, from God that, you know, I read my Bible, going to church. I just realized how much God loves each of us and how much he wants for us. And that has totally, totally changed my life and changed my swimming because I, I realize I'm not, I'm not doing it for myself. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing it. There's something bigger involved. And I'm doing it to serve others. I'm doing it to try and make the world a better place. And that was the secret I found out long ago was the secret to a long, healthy career is serving others. And if I can help someone else in their swimming career, it makes it all worthwhile. And so that's my challenge to young people and other young swimmers and old swimmers. When you realize the power of helping others and serving others, swimming takes on a whole new perspective. And um, when I was having an off practice, I would get at the back of the lane. I'd start cheering on others and helping make them have a better practice. And sure enough, that got me off my bad practice even quicker. And so we were all having a better practice because I was cheering and I got off my offness and just because I was willing to serve others. So that's my little secret is, is serving others. I love that. And that that applies to the world. I mean, not just if you're having for swimming, that's what we always say when when you're having a tough time, give somebody else a hand up and your time isn't so bad. So I love that. Love it. It's love good. It. And I love how you have applied it to swimming. And yeah, it is true for everything. Thank you very much yes. for that. Josh, this has been so wonderful. So much great stuff here. And we, we're so grateful that you spent this time with us today. Well, great to get to know you guys better and uh, look, look forward to seeing you in the future and keep up the great work. Thanks so much, Josh. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Best Bye-bye. of luck in everything. Bye-bye. Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. We've heard from you that your favorite section of our podcast is the takeaways. Thank you so much for that feedback. But before we get to the takeaways today, we wanted to ask you if you would please give us a five-star review. That way, more people will be able to find our podcast. Also, If you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you'll never miss a podcast episode if you subscribe. And please share our podcast with your friends. And now, the takeaways. Well, Maria, what a great guy. What a wonderful interview. There were so so many takeaways. Uh, What what did you find that really spoke to you? Well, I, I, I could listen to him all day i think he's i love his really upbeat attitude about everything and you know i'd done some research on him just you know like i said in the interview is sort of just always you know always up so that was it was just fun to be around somebody who's always kind of looking for that you know positive thing to say but i think one of the things that that i just loved was his concept of swimming free 
Um, and I think you can just apply that to anything in your life is, you know, as, as a discipline, you don't have to think, you don't have to think about the things that make you anxious. You can, you can, you can be free and, um, and, you know, it must make his swimming so fun. I think we're so, we can be so burdened down with obligation or sense of shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, and, and just this idea of swim free that he is his little mantra. I thought that was really inspiring. What did you think? Yes, swim free from pressure, free from expectations. I I love that. And and if we could do that with just just life in general. Yeah. You know, just kind of yeah, free, that was free that was from a great worry, one. free from doubt. And he you know, he had to work on it, but that was what his that was his mantra. Yes. Yeah, I like that a lot. What about you? I my my very first takeaway was I loved that he felt just showing up. He didn't use the word consistency, but that's exactly what it is, you know, that he just keeps showing up. And you and I have talked about this. And and one of the reasons we started the podcast is because we've talked so much about what what we've done and what we've seen has worked with successful people. And I think one of the secrets in life is you just keep showing up. You're not going to be your best every single day but you're there. So I, I love that the, the penny in the jar, you know, one penny becomes seven pennies in the week and 30 pennies in the month and 365 pennies in the year. And then all of a sudden you have a jar full of pennies. And so, um, I, that, that was my, my thing, which, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. That the thing about that is that just showing up once doesn't seem to make a difference. But it's showing up, and the same thing with the penny in the jar. One penny, you can't even tell one penny, you know. But 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 you know he and I loved his just you know he felt like you know just gonna be there and keep repeating the same things to his swimmers and and that is really encouraging because lots of times we don't feel like showing up and um, you know but we just keep on packing those you know stacking those show ups. Um, I think that's I, I love that I, I love that you know that that's been one of my. One of the things that drives me deeply, and I, I just, I, I've always sort of kept that. That would be my mantra: just at least show up, Maria. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, that's great. And then I guess my second takeaway, which I just love, and I think it's, it's, it's what I think you live by, and I hope I live by, is that we really get our most joy from serving others, you know, and, and no matter what you're doing, you can be serving others. And it's, you know, it's, it's great to succeed. It's great to be, you know, come in first or, you know, whatever, but, but, but in the end, if we can use those things that we're good at and those talents and skills that we've been given and that we've developed to serve others, we're going to be happy. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's, so optimistic and upbeat. I think he believes and is serving his community with his talents and gifts. And, and, um, and that's his first priority. Yes. That one, that one, you and I fought over (laughs) (laughs) for the takeaway for the takeaways, because it really spoke to me. And I, I think, you know, it's one thing when you head out the door in the morning with the attitude of, I'm going to go out and serve others. Well, certainly, you know, you can go work at a soup kitchen or deliver food to the shut-ins or whatever you're doing. But I think when serving others becomes so helpful is when we're grinding 
when we're in our own oh, so rut. True. And so that's when he, he said particularly, and, and I and you, we kind of translated it to life, but he in particular said, if you're having a bad swim practice or a bad meet or, you know, you're not performing like you want to in swimming, just think of others. Think of others. So I think that it's it's just, it is truly a secret to success in life mental health wise and just emotional. But I, I love that serving, you know, his, his exact words were the secret is serving others. Yeah. That's, it's a beautiful idea. And it just, as we're talking about it, I remember that my dad used to say that if you're, if you're feeling blue, look around and see what you can do to help somebody else. It'll get you out of your rut. Yeah. And that's, and that is exactly what Josh said about swimming and having a bad practice. So that's, you're right. That's beautiful. What's your second takeaway, Kelly? My final takeaway is it's it's with the mindset, which I love that you cannot hold two thoughts in your mind at one time. And he said, fear and faith can't be in your mind at the same time. So he, you know, he had faith in his swimming ability, faith in God, faith that he was going to perform well. And I think that that's, I, I loved it just because, you know, as someone who's had anxiety, anxiety is built on fear. And when I just change a fearful thought to a thought of faith, then, uh, you know, it changes everything. So I, I love that one, that fear and faith cannot, you know, exist at the same time in your mind. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Even those two words, you know, when you think faith versus fear, <laughs> you, you want to be on the faith side. So I, yeah, that's, that's, and, and again, I think there's a discipline there of pushing out the fear and replacing it with faith. Yeah. Mark and I always talk about when we set out on something, usually it's a business venture, but we always talk about being fear, being goal driven and not fear driven. So I think there's some similarities there that, you know, you're looking at the positives then instead of the negatives, which, you know, is, is easy to, to do so right right yeah i think that's that's great anyway terrific a man obviously doing great stuff and what great interview great energy great interview just really really enjoyed that one well maria another one in the books and uh just loving doing this with you and look forward to our next one oh me too kelly i love you have a great day love you too bye-bye bye-bye this week's quote of the week comes to us from josh davis The secret to a long, healthy career is serving others. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cabra Media, and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.